We're going to continue on our series, Unstoppable, Unstoppable, Walking Through the Book of Acts. And I do say walking because that's a little bit of what we're doing. I don't know if any of you here um, have enjoyed hiking ever. I have enjoyed hiking quite a bit. I've been on some really great hikes, and I've been on some really bad hikes. And, um, you know, you learn something from all of them. And if you've ever been on a hike or maybe some kind of a trip or a journey, a drive, whatever, you kind of um, usually, you, you kind of make sure that you have what you need. And usually you have some kind of a form of a map, whether it's an actual physical map on paper or something on a device. You know, you have something that you can reference as you're going through your trip. And when you're looking at the map, you kind of take key moments usually where you're looking at it and you're thinking, okay, you're thinking about, okay, where are we right now, right? You're, where are we right now? And you're also kind of looking ahead and thinking, where are we going? And then maybe you'll look back and see this is where we came from, this is where we are, and this is where we're going. And then you also might consider when you're looking at the map, you're thinking, do I have everything that I need? Do I have the equipment that I need? Do I, do I have the, the money I need? Do I have all the supplies? Do I ev sometimes even, do I have the uh, skills that I need in order to co complete the next part of this hike or this journey or whatever, depending on what the goal is or what the destination is? And so when we're looking at the book of Acts, that's a little bit of how we can look at this because we're kind of seeing how the early church, where they started, where they're at now, and where they're going. And we can learn from all of that for our own journey, our own walk with Christ and how God is using Crossroads Church in all of our lives individually. So as we are going into this, let's be into this uh, chapter for today, let's be thinking about what is it that the early church did and where did they start and how did they get to where they were going? How did they pursue the mission that Jesus Christ gave him. This is the mission. Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus Christ gave them to do. He told them, This is what you are about. This is your life now. This is your mission. You've got to work on this. Be witnesses in all these areas and to the ends of the earth. So as we look into Acts chapter 12 today, let's be considering what is it that we can get from the, the apostles and the early church and what they were doing. So everything is in light, in this mission, in, in light of this mission. We have to remember that. That's part of, of, of how we think, how we are living our life. This is important for us to kind of frame everything that we're doing. Everything is in light of the work that God has given us to do. So when we have these opportunities to learn from the early church, we consider how they are thinking about what God gave them to do, and everything lined up exactly with that. So it's important for us to kind of take that uh, perspective as we get into these scriptures. So let's watch for that, and let's see what the church was doing. Let's read um, Acts the opening, uh, Acts chapter 12, opening verses. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. 
When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So there's our opening verses. And so we kind of see what's going on. We kind of see the setup here. All right, we know that the apostles in the early church are going about their mission. And we see that there is this person named Herod, King Herod. Now, you may have heard this guy's name before. There were many Herods. And this guy was the grandson of King Herod the Great, the one who um, had many children to and under killed when Jesus was, was a child because he wanted to make sure that Jesus was killed somehow so that he wouldn't be king of the Jews. However, it didn't work out, thankfully, according to God's will. But basically, the idea that we have to have in mind is all of the Herods were terrible people, all of them. It's not, it's, it's just, there's just no other way around it. They were terrible people. They were evil, and all they cared about was keeping control of their power. That's all they wanted to do. So for, for some reason, this Herod decided, I want to start persecuting the church. And then you also have the Jews involved here, who we know from uh, the Gospels, they did not want Jesus to succeed. We, they did not want the church to succeed. They didn't want the apostles to be doing their thing. As we're reading through the early parts of of the book of Acts. They didn't want the gospel of Jesus Christ being spread, and they were a part of Jesus being killed. And they approve of what King Herod is doing here. So this is not looking really good. You have James, one of the apostles, who walked with Jesus. This is the first one who walked with Jesus who was martyred. And he was killed. He was killed by the sword. That's what the opening scriptures say. Then we have Peter arrested. All of this is looking really bad. Peter is not only arrested, but he's also giving this high security detail to hold him in prison because these apostles had a way of getting out of prison. People didn't know how, but they would get out because God provided the way. So he had 16 men, four squads of four soldiers um, on different shifts. Two of the soldiers would be chained to him and then two others would be watching the prison doors. So this is just not a good situation. And it's interesting that this happens at this time because as we look at the progress of the apostles, we see that they're actually moving the gospel out just exactly how Jesus told them it would happen. If we look at this chart here, you see Acts chapter 7, Acts chapters 1 through 7, we see the gospel goes to Jerusalem. And then we see the gospel going to Judea and Samaria. Do we have that slide to show this? And then we have the gospel at, um, at uh, 13 through 28, the chapters 13 to 28. They're going to go out to the Gentiles. And you see right in the middle of all that, right in the middle, you see that there is um, chapter 12, and that's where we are. So they've gotten this point to this point, and the gospel is about to spread out even further. So it is interesting to think that this is where they come up against this big wall of persecution. So that's kind of the opening. That's kind of the backdrop. 
And as we continue on, we're going to hear two actually pretty miraculous and amazing stories. Two amazing stories. One of them is just an amazing story of God's power saving somebody. Another one ends a little bit differently. It's not as pleasant. But ultimately, what it comes down to is we see that God is working with the church, for the church, and the church is partnering with God and allowing themselves to be used for God's glory. So let's continue reading on in this next part of Acts chapter 12. Here's the first story. It's just an amazing story. It'll be a little lengthy, so be ready for a little bit of reading here. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck on the, he, he struck Peter, an angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. You're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, this is another James, Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Who would not want this to happen to them? I mean, this is an absolute amazing story. I know we wouldn't want to be in prison. But consider this story. This is amazing. All these details, a bright light showing up, you know, chains falling off on their own, an iron gate opening up on its own. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, you might see in a movie somewhere. This sounds like an amazing movie scene. But this is exactly what we read in Scripture, and this is what happened with Peter. He was going to be taken to trial and killed the next day. There was no doubt about that. That was the intention. But God intervened in this miraculous way, and now we have this story. How could you not be amazed at that? This is just powerful. But you notice as this is going on, it's, it's, you know, it's obvious that we can get lost in all the miracle parts. But the main point here that we kind of need to take away is that God is Lord of all. God is above everything. 
He is all-powerful, and he cannot be stopped. He will do his will, and he will work things out according to his will. He will not be stopped, and that needs to be an encouragement to us because we may have a bunch of stuff that goes against us, but ultimately, when we seek God and we trust him, he will provide what needs to be done. We can trust him with everything. And that's what the church was doing. They were praying. Notice that in this, it's not just that God had power over living things. It was also things that had no life. The chains, the iron door, all of that. There, there's nothing that God is not, cannot control or he, he can't do. There's nothing. So that's a big part of this story. Certainly Peter is a focal point but God is basically on uh, the main scene, the main stage right now. And this is what Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen says. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. Praise God. That is awesome. That's amazing. So the first thing that we get is that the church, the early church, carried out its mission through an absolute dependence on God's power an absolute dependence on god's power you see clearly the early church there are people just like us just like you and me just like us and they were doing what they were supposed to do but ultimately one of them was killed and another one was in prison and a bunch of them were praying they were doing all that they could do but there was something there were some things that they got involved in they could not deal with. And so ultimately, they had to rely on God constantly. Constantly, things like this were happening. And especially in all the books of Acts, you see signs and wonders. You see miracles. You, you see that they understood that they would not be able to do this work without relying on God himself. It's the same for us. It's the same thing. Every time that we get up and throughout all of our life, we have to understand that we have to rely on our God. He has everything that we need, and he can take care of details that we are not capable of, of taking care of. You see this pattern happening in Acts. There is prayer, and then there are miracles. You see that there is speaking God's word, and then there are people joining the church. You see there are people looking to God, and God displays his power. He provides everything the church does what it can and what it's supposed to do out of obedience and desire to, to serve God, and God provides this other part that we cannot provide. And it's supposed to be like this. Jesus taught it to be like this. He wants us to rely, rely on him. There's this sense of the early church partnering with God, recognizing that God is Lord of all, and he is ultimately all-powerful, and we have to rely on him. So there is this uh, partnering, partnering or relying on him and Jesus taught this. Look at John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is, this is a powerful verse for us to take in and understand. It's very easy for us to um, begin to think about all the things that we accomplish and the things that we do and that we're capable of and to begin to rely on those things. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. God has provided those things to us, our abilities and everything. That's great. But ultimately, we have to recognize that if we're going to 
be effective at all for God and his kingdom, we must rely on him. He's the one that does all the stuff. He's the one, like miracles, he's the one that provides us the abilities. He's the one that gives us the things that we're capable of doing. So we have to grow. And just like this scripture is saying, remain in me, remain in me, and I remain in you. There's this reference to this constant connection, a constant bond, something you're not breaking. And picture a vine and branches. If, if there's just a little crack in that, in that, in the connection there, if there's just a little crack, then there's, there's a lack of being able to have that resource. So you want that to constantly be there. And we have to grow in understanding that. So we see through prayer, the church is depending on him. They were praying that night for Peter earnestly with everything they had. There has to be this sense of absolute dependence. So along with this, we see that they trusted, they not only trusted in his power, they depended on his power, but the early church also showed this absolute trust in God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. What's interesting with this is if we look at Peter escaping, we can look at it and think like, God can do anything, right? This is amazing. However, If we're going to look at it like that, we also have to look at the fact that James, the other apostle who was arrested, didn't get out. He died. This is kind of a difficult thing. We face stuff like this in our life. So questions can begin to pop up. Why would Peter escape so miraculously but James not James and Peter they both walked with Jesus I mean they were both qualified to preach the gospel but James did not escape we can be sure that the church was praying for them the church The early church showed that pattern throughout all of Acts, constantly praying to God, constantly depending on him. But ultimately, when it came down to it, they put all their trust in God's decision and his outcome. They had to wrestle with this stuff. This is is a challenge. This is tough because even though we pray, we don't decide the outcome. We don't decide. And there has to be this understanding that although God can do these things and he will when he deems necessary, there are times that he says no. And this is difficult. I am sure that the early church was grieving the loss of James. There's no doubt. If we go back a few chapters, we see Stephen who was um, who was martyred. And it says, it says in Scripture that the church, they grieved when he was lost, when his life was gone. There was a deep connection with these people. And certainly, they loved their leaders. So we can be certain of that. This is, this is just a part of life that is a difficult part. And we face these things in our own lives. Why are some healed? Why aren't some others? 
Why do some get what, what they want when others don't? Why do they have that when I don't get what I want? Why, do, why did I lose my job? Why, they all, we can talk about these. We can make a list, right? But ultimately, the church is showing us an example of having absolute trust in what God decides. A few weeks ago, um, I know that probably all of us have stories like this. A few weeks ago for myself, um, me and some very good friends from another church I was with, we experienced a great loss too. It was very painful. You know, a friend who was uh, just a great man of God. He loved the Lord. He trusted God with everything. And his example of, of a godly man is just something you remember, one of those people that you remember, right? Like, anytime you came around him, he was kind. Anytime you came around him, he wanted to help out with whatever was going on in your life. He wanted to listen to what you're what's going on with you. He wanted to be a support. He wanted to be someone that um, showed you what the love of God was like. And uh, he got sick. And I can honestly say that myself and my friends at the other church, we were praying earnestly. We were praying with everything that we had for him. And it didn't work out. His time came, and he is with the Lord now. And I know that people say things like, you know, he's in a better place and all that stuff. But ultimately, there is nothing that takes away all the pain that we feel. It's terrible. It's terrible. This is a difficult thing to understand and to, to take in and to, to grow in. It's just a terrible thing to lose somebody that you love. And when you find somebody that you want to share your life with, you find somebody that when something great happens in your life and you want to celebrate it, you go to them, right? And they're not there anymore. It's terrible. But what's important for us to understand is although these times do happen in our life, there is room in our Worship in our connection to the Lord to be able to deal with this. Although God may not answer yes, he may answer no, not, not, not this time. Although that might be the answer, he also provides the healing and the hope that we need for these situations. It's important Again, remember that we have to see all of life in the perspective of the mission that Jesus Christ has given us. Our mission is to be witnesses of him. 
and the grace he has provided for forgiveness so that we can be connected, we can be redeemed to the Lord. We can be reconciled to him. That's our mission. And so if that is the mission, we have to see all of life in that perspective. And even, the, even with these difficult things, when we feel like, you know what, I just don't want to work on the mission right now, let me say something. It is okay that you feel like that. It is okay. But we cannot lose our connection to the Lord because He is the true source of our hope and our healing to get through those difficult times. We need Him. And it is in that perspective of the mission of the church that there, this is part of the church too, to tell people, hey, God can help with this as well. Look at this scripture here. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. What a powerful verse. What a powerful verse. You see, there's this kind of this, connect, this cycle that's going on here. There is healing and comfort that comes from God. It comes from God, the Father of compassion. He understands. The book of Hebrews tells us that he understands what it's like to live in our flesh. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to feel the pain and the hurt and the sadness. And so he is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So when we rely on him and we receive that comfort, we are then able to send that and pass it on to other people. That's important for us to understand. In other words, we will not be able to provide that comfort and hope if we are not connected to the Lord. And if we allow ourselves to begin to not trust God and we become disconnected and we start to look for other answers and, and other resources, then we will never find what we truly need. We need to have that from the Lord. This is why it's so important that we have church. This is one of the reasons we should we should really be thankful that we have church. God has provided, along with this mission, a, a church family of people who are going through things similarly like we are. No matter the age, it doesn't matter. He has provided a church family to be able to minister to each other through His Holy Spirit, through the bond that we have through Christ. So when things like this happen that we cannot understand and we wonder why did God heal that person but not my person or, or whatever. When all of that happens, we can look to him and we can look to each other and we can, we can be thankful that he has given us what we need. We need church because we can encourage each other. This is also why we need life groups. We're having life group signups today. This is one of the reasons. When we go through life, we have ups, we have downs, we have great times, we have sad times, and everything in between. And it is good for us to be connected with others who understand that the good times are provided by God. And for the difficult times, we have the Lord to comfort and be our source of healing and hope. 
there's this uh, ministry that also that we have here at church called Grief Share. Some of you may have heard of it. You may have heard of Grief Share, that it's a ministry that just started up again this past week, and they, they meet on Thursday nights. And this, basically what this group does is they spend time um, just having a safe space to talk about um, these things, losing a loved one or having some kind of deep loss in, in, in our lives. And it's a great, great ministry that uh, is provided here. And it's led by some great people here at church. I got an opportunity to attend one of these uh, sessions a few weeks ago. And I was just kind of there meeting a lot of people. And there are actual, actually a lot of people there who don't even come to our church, but they heard about the group. And the connection and the bond that's found at that place is, is amazing. It's a blessing because everybody understands what in that group understands what they're feeling and what they're struggling with and what it's like to lose someone so dear. They know what it's like and they support each other and they care for each other and they learn about how God can provide comfort and he ultimately is our peace to get through these things. So if you are experiencing something like this, I strongly encourage you to go. I was so blessed. And if you know somebody who is going through something like this, even if they don't come to the church, you don't even have to, you don't have to be a Christian. If you, ha- if you know somebody and they need something like that, grab one of these cards here out in the lobby, right here, grab one of these, take the information and let them know, take it for yourself. It is a great, great thing that we have going on here. I'm so thankful that we have it in. And this is a topic that everybody feels. Just this past week, I had four conversations with people, actually I think more, with people who were struggling with these questions. And, you know, it's a part of life. And we're going we're gonna to be talking about this more and more. We have Grief Share. We have life groups. Pastor Gary, in a few weeks, he's going to take on, as part of the Curious series, he's going to talk about grief, loss, and, and uh, hope, and life, what it's all about. He's going to talk about that topic. So you're going to want to make sure that you're here. But as we go through these times, there is this persistence in the church. You see, they were not sitting around arguing and fighting and angry about what happened with James. What, they were, what were they doing? They were praying. They were praying for Peter. They were praying for him. They weren't divided. They weren't um, sitting around discouraged. They were praying. They went to the mission. And there are going to be times where some of us don't want to pray right there at that moment, but there will be, that's why other people are there to rise up and pray for the mission or do the mission while others are healing. That's, that's the family of God. So keep those things in mind and remember the church struggled with the same things that the early church did the same things that we did. Humans, people, just like us. So let's not forsake meeting together. God can use us, each other, each other to help each other. And God made the church to be able to trust him and to grow in that understanding. So let's keep our eyes focused on the mission and remember that perspective to keep everything focused on the mission and see life that way. So we see that the early church carried out its mission through the absolute dependence on God's power. The early church carried out its mission through an absolute trust in God's sovereignty. As we move on, we see that we depend on God and trust him and God takes care of the rest. Consider for a minute, really quickly, 
Peter's escape. Notice Peter didn't have to really do anything. He really didn't have to do much. He didn't have to break chains. He didn't have to fight any soldiers. He didn't have to take out a sword and, and do battle with anybody. He didn't have to push any doors open. He didn't have to push o- open that heavy iron gate. He didn't have to do anything. Anything. All he had to do was put on his clothes. He didn't even have to know his way out. As a matter of fact, he didn't even have to be fully aware of what's going on. Notice how it says in, in verse 9, Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He didn't think it was real. He wasn't even totally aware of what was happening, but he didn't need to be. God worked it out. All he had to do, it comes down to one simple thing. Look at this verse here, 7 through 9. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, so he woke him up. Peter didn't even wake up with the bright light. Quick, get up, he said. The chains fell off. Peter didn't have to break them. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes. He put on his clothes. Wrap your cloak around you. He did that. Peter followed him out of the prison. All Peter had to do was one thing. Obey. That's it. That's it. Interesting that this word comes up again last week when Pastor Jamie shared on the, other, on the, the past two chapters, the same thing came up. Obedience. Obedience. The early church worked really hard and gave us an example of obedience. The early church carried out its mission through an absolute obedience to God. Peter kind of represents the church. He was told what to do, and he got out of a a crazy situation, a dangerous situation. The church was praying in obedience. James, even though his life was lost, he was serving in obedience. That's why he was in prison. Everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. And all all of this was done in working the mission that God had given them, and he has also passed on to us. And when we continue to walk and persist in being obedient to God, we will see that he will not be stopped. And because of his power, nor will we and the church. We will not be stopped. He sa- Jesus says that in another scripture. But for a minute, consider this. In the opening of this chapter, Herod was persecuting. The Jews were approving. James had died. And there was worse that looked like it was really bad for the church. But look at how this ends. This is the next part. This is the last part of this chapter. And this is the next story. And it doesn't end so well for somebody. Here's what it says. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. So the guards were killed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they had now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on on the king's, meaning King Herod, country for their food. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. (laughs) 
another movie scene. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing, <laughs> but it's, it's terrible, but it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that something like this would happen, right? It's just hard to, to understand this. But this, is ha- this happened, and there's actual historical record outside of Scripture that proves this to be true. This actually did happen. The church didn't have to do a thing to stop the persecution in this situation. But, and then look what, how this chapter ends. The next verses. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called, called Mark. Basically, what it says is God's mission, the mission of the church, just kept going. It wasn't stopped. And it cannot be stopped. God will provide the miracles and all the other things that need to be done. The church needs to be obedient, depend on his power, depend on him for everything, grow in trusting in his sovereignty, and understand that ultimately that has how we can walk in this journey and how we can walk in this life. That is how we can do this. There were no, there, there were no fights at the end. The church didn't have to struggle to get rid of all the prisoner, the guards and all this stuff. They didn't have to fight Herod. They didn't have to do any of that. They walked in obedience and they walked in confidence because this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said in Acts. I'm sorry, in Matthew 16. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. In this version it says, I will build my church and even the gates of hell will not be able to keep it out. Praise God. Amen? I mean, that deserves a hand clap. Like, God is not going to be stopped. And that is how we can go on that hike that we were talking about. That is how we can go on this journey. That is how we can go on this walk. We do not have to be concerned or or, uh, worried about all these things that we cannot control. Instead, we must recognize that it comes as part of the work and the mission of God, and He will take care of what needs to be taken care of. Yes, there will be disappointing, difficult, and sad times. Yes, but God will provide the comfort and the hope and the healing we need as we continue to walk. And we know that ultimately, those on the journey with us who have been lost we will see them again. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you. We understand, God, that you provide everything that we need, and we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be with us as we continue this mission. Help us, Lord, to always look to you, regardless of the things that come our way. Help us, Lord, to not live in discouragement, God, and not to live in defeat, but rather to walk in the recognition that you have said that your church is going to move on through your power, and we will always be in your eye, Father. You will be with us, and we will be with you. Thank you, God, so much that we can trust in you even when things do not go how we want or wish. We can trust in how you rule because everything that you do is good. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Let's, Let's sing.